0: to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. Thanks so much for joining us this week. So every week as you tune in, I hope that you feel my mission, my passion to change that word sales from something that's just icky, sleazy and manipulative so that we could really start to shift our paradigm of thinking and come from love, care and respect. By the way, it's more fun, heck of a lot easier and people respond in such a better way. Now to help you on this mindset journey, I have a free gift for you. It's my communication style assessment. You get Two reports, one showing your natural superpower as it relates to communication and how you're perceived in the world. The flip side, I also give you your lowest style score, which is usually our blind spots. So I shine some light on that for you so that you can understand when you're speaking with people that are in your blind spot or communicate from that perspective, what do you need to do to shift? to be able to connect with them on a deeper level. So you get those two reports, go to changingthesalesgame.com slash communication style assessment. And I will put that link in the show notes for you. Now, my motivational quote today is by Jeffrey Gittimer. And Jeffrey says, quality performance starts with a positive attitude. Now, through the years, I know that I've used different behavioral models or tools This case, DISC was the one that I was certified on 40 years ago, and now my own communication style assessment, which I just shared in the intro. Um, These valuable tools are just such great resources to help us better understand your specific prospects buying style, as well as your communication style, so that we're always connecting and approaching, in this case, your prospect in the correct way. So how can we use this type of information to build our skills, to master our prospecting efforts, so at the end, we're able to serve our clients, hopefully in a bigger and better way, and of course... Make more sales. Well, today my amazing guest is Marilyn August. And Marilyn is a profit attracting expert. She helps business, my kind of gal. She helps business owners and sales professionals close more deals for more money by changing the way they think about money. Now, Marilyn is an author and business development strategist on the science of attracting high-paying clients, providing a complete one-stop spectrum of business development technologies to accelerate your business and sales revenue so please help me welcome Marilyn to the show so thanks for being on Marilyn I'm so excited oh, thank about you our so conversation
1: much. so just I'm delighted to be here I'm back at you I'm always delighted to do my show but I'm <laughs> delighted that you're here with me today well, thank you Connie I felt a connection right
0: away I know we met recently, um, mm-hmm. a, uh, everyone listening, and it, it was just like a love fest right out of the gate. So it's kind of cool when you meet people like that. And then, of yeah. course, I think we'll create a, a great content for everybody listening. So my first question, uh, Marilyn, is tell us a bit about your why and how you came to have this B2B business you know, owner kind of sales focus in your business.
1: Okay. Well, I will do my best to give you the cliff notes.
0: <laughs> cool. cool. There's a
1: lot there's a lot of drama right Of course, yeah. So of course. this so I was a corporate trainer and I was just one of those people who never fit. Uh but my entire life, probably, you know, now they've traced it going back generations, um, there's been financial problems, difficulties uh with money. Um and I decided that I needed to fix myself. There's something. We women tend to do that. There's something wrong with me. So I became a self-help junkie. Um, and I warn people, don't become a self-help junkie because guess what will happen? And I developed a six-week transformational training, which I'm going to be bringing back in the form of an online course cool. on what would be called the psychology of money. And here I was, Connie. I built the field. I had the greatest this wonderful training you know and as the saying goes and I built the field and they did not come (laughs) nobody knew I had the latest and greatest so I had to learn about sales I knew nothing about sales I thought sales was a four-letter word (laughs) just like everybody else and I became a student of sales and marketing both formally and informally as consultant for the small business development center. And I learned that sales makes the world go round. Yes, sir. And yes, I was attracting. Yes, <laughs> I was attracting salespeople and business owners to my six week program because they have charge of their own financial destiny. If you're in sales, your income is unlimited. And uh, that's how I um, evolved. And those are the cliff notes. I left off the trauma. I left off the drama. But basically, the why is to heal, to break through my own revenue roadblocks and help others break through theirs. So this started out about me helping my own and others. So I'm a big believer in walking my talk.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it really... We we all have crap, right, Marilyn? You and I have lived. We're not. I say this is when people introduce me. They say, you know, Connie's a seasoned professional. So immediately, I get up and I start saying, "Now, yes, because I'm hot and spicy." That word "seasons," right? Is equating with
1: old, and I'm hot and
0: spicy, baby. You know, I still have a lot. You you are spicy. Thank you. (laughs) But it's true. I think sometimes we have to start and learn for ourselves to be able to thrive, whatever that means, whatever industry you're in, before we can go. And help or teach others. So I I do agree with that. Um, and the why was your own almost survival story. Right. Your own story. But now you're thinking, oh, like, and then the generosity kicks in. Who can I share that with? Who can I help? Right. I've gone through it. I I don't think that I'm an anomaly. Right. Other people are probably going through the same stuff, maybe a different story to it. But at the core there, we all have money issues. I have money issues. Everyone Um, has money. issues. Everybody doesn't. If you think you don't, you're crazy. So we (laughs) all have money issues. Now, my next question, and a lot of it comes from our early, um, early childhood things you see that you don't necessarily understand or things that, you know, your mom said money doesn't grow on trees and stuff like that. But all of us have some kind of programming and there's usually some type of disconnect or issue with money. Next question. Why do you say that every sale and I love this uh, by the way, so everybody listening, this, this is uh, so important, but why do you say that every sale starts between your two ears?
1: Well, it's kind of like what you said um, attitude is everything, Atti- attitude is 80% yeah. of your sale. Yep. So um, the easiest way to illustrate this is to tell us a st- quick story about a client I had, who was on his way to make his latest, greatest, biggest sale in the world. He was actually in the car. I mean, when we called on people in person, he was in the car and he was calling me. And he really, quote unquote, needed the sale. So he was giving off all kinds of needy vibes without knowing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was the biggest sale he would have made that quarter. So all this talk going on inside of his head and everything he knew about his skill set and his behaviors in the past uh, was running around in his head. And basically, I mean, talk about on-demand coaching. I needed to calm him down. And have this be just another sale. So what was going on between his two ears? and because you give off an energetic vibe. And when you you need the sale, did you ever notice how when you need the sale, it never happens? Yes. Because it's weird, but it's happened to me too many times. So we needed to shift his attitude about, oh, this is just another day. This is another day. This is the kind of sale I make. This is no big deal if I make it or don't take it. So his entire internal self-talk, he was over-preparing. He was over-scripted. So his behavior was being driven by what I call head trash. What was going on in his head because this was really, really important. So that's every sale starts between your two. the, The significance you give it. Um, is why I say it starts between your, and what you learned as a kid and your last experience with a salesperson.
0: Yeah. And even currently what, you know, when you, when we go out and you have a horrible representative, no matter what, what the venue is. Um, You you know, oh, they're pushy. Oh, they're, and then that's a salesperson, right? That's, I started with that, right, Marilyn? It's preconceived notion. Yes, sales should not be icky sleazy. I I taught a class yesterday for one of my corporate clients and younger people, four Mm -hmm. peers and then younger people. And as we were talking and I said, you know, everybody thinks sales is this icky thing. I said, I want right now, take the word sale out of your head. And I want you to think about your coming and whoever that client is, don't care. If they're a business owner, if they're a grandma, if they're a kid fresh out of college, it was a bank that I was working with, and I said, "I don't care who the client is in front of you. You, you want to help them? Yes, yes, yes." So I said, "So you have to start thinking about how can I serve them to the best of my ability, and take what I know and what offers I have available that's going to help them in their situation." And it should not be, "Oh, the bank is telling this home equity, so I'm going to push a home equity." The person in front of you is renting. Why are you talking about a home equity, right? So who's in front of me and how can I customize that conversation so I deliver exactly what they need right here and right now, as well as build trust so that they trust you for the future to come back to you later on. And that's how we keep our pipeline full. And it was so cute, Marilyn. They all sat there and went, oh, oh, I like that. And we shifted their feeling, right? What was going on between their ears. I'm going to use your terminology here. But as soon as you give them an alternative perspective of really how to do it properly, so everybody wins, including Mm -hmm. the client, not that we're out to get the client, they were like, oh, and then they were all ears and they started talking and the energy in the room changed. It was wonderful, but it starts between our ears. I just love that. And we, we talk ourselves
1: out of making the sale because of the vibrational energy we're sending off. Well, the you may borrow sales is not a four-letter word as the title for that program you just did. Um, there was a book out by that name, but I think it's out of print now, so it's safe to use that. Uh, exactly, it's our preconceived notions and our perceptions of salesperson. In fact, a lot of companies won't even use the word sales; they yes. have account reps. They yes. have uh, if the very word has. Uh, a negative connotation. Interestingly, if you were working with a bank, um, they're talking about money and what they don't realize is they're stripping a person naked when they talk about money. That's so right. if you want any uh, thoughts on that, we can certainly have that offline. Of course, she's up, uh, to go outside. Um, but the the point is that it does start between your ears because you bring your um your beliefs your attitudes your um 100%. your past experiences with money um the, i could go on and like tell the you the elephant money. in the room right it's the, the elephant in the room, room yeah. the one that's no, exactly no. a great way to start talk about it
0: Yeah. And and another question, why do sales and and business owners too, right? Because I have both. I have salespeople who work for corporations and I have business owners, right? Why do they need to know about their prospects' attitude about money? So we're talking about our own, but what about our prospects' attitude? Like you just said they
1: were stripped, naked. Yeah. Well, you know, there's actually three that you need to know about. Uh, As you need to know your own, I mean, awareness is the first step to changing. But the prospect is, um, for example, um, I tell the Charlie story where where your prospect has just had a fight with their spouse about money. And you don't know that, of course, they're not telling you they just had a fight about money. And so prospects really worried about their marriage. So what do they say to you? They say, oh, we can't afford it. What I had to learn is that your can't afford it isn't necessarily my can't afford it. We're um, we're very vague when we talk about the money question. We're uh, my expensive isn't your expensive, and so we are triggered by our prospect's hidden agenda that we don't know anything about. So um, if they just had that bad salesperson experience, they're going to project all over you. You know, sales is 80% psychology um, or maybe even more.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's like the iceberg, right? Maybe 90%.
1: Yeah. So their um, past experiences with salespeople, their uh, boss's demands on them all that's going to play in their personal life, whatever's going on in their personal life and whatever they were taught about money is going to come into play. You know, don't trust any salespeople. Yes. Never trust us. Use car salespeople. Yes. I mean, I was just thinking about a new car myself. I mean, we do this ourselves. Yes. Um, I would not walk into a dealership today uh, without doing my own research. Of course. But last time I bought a car, you know, I just stroll in there knowing I'm going to get jammed.
0: The expectation.
1: (laughs) The expectation that your prospect has about particularly when, and this is not, I don't know if on our topics today, but one of the reasons I discourage discounting and have written extensively about that is because then your prospect's mind is going, what's the real price? You think you're doing a deal and you're shaving your commission and you're doing the prospect a favor. What's going on in the prospect's head is, ah, I wonder what the real price is. If I press this person even more. So your prospect's attitude is very important. But there is a third one. And that's the collective consciousness right now Mm -hmm. that you have to be aware of when you're going into sales. There's a lot of negativity about rich people, particularly right now. We're in a very interesting time. We all aspire to, to get rich. And yet there's this, oh, these rich people, they're terrible. They're ripping us off to get rich.
0: They're crooks.
1: Yeah. They're crooks. Yeah, yeah crooks has been around for a long time. That's a perfect way to say it. They're crooks. So the mm-hmm. only way I can get rich is to be a crook, is what happens. And what I've learned is it's not the money that makes the person. It's the person that makes the money. So I had to come up with a term to describe this. And I use richly fulfilled. There are a lot of good people who can do a lot of good with money. Do more good with money than you can if you don't have money. It's It's the old airline talk about put on your own financial mask first. That's right. And then help others. So that's a long way of answering your question. Yeah. And I have t- two comments. That was just well said. I remember
0: um, many, many years ago when I started as a financial advisor, I got my license and I worked in insurance and then I transitioned over to banking. That's So I, I grew up in financial sales, really. That's, that's kind of my world, MBA in finance, all of that. And I remember I walked in, I was probably maybe 25 or 26 at the time, Marilyn, and it was a Saturday appointment at the bank. And I went in the manager's office and the gentleman came in No joke, he looked at me and he said, You're young and you're a girl. I don't know that I could work with you. So now I was in my 20s. I was filled with vim and vigor back then. Now I'm just too tired. But I thought to myself, Do I punch him in the face? (laughs) I didn't. I did not get violent. So I calmly said to him, You know, you're here. I'm here. Why don't I start to explore? Give me 10 minutes. If in 10 minutes, you don't feel that I can add value to your financial situation in our conversation, I have a colleague and a peer that I certainly on Monday can send in, uh, there was no email back then, but I can certainly send an introduction. I can have him call you, but we're here. What do you think? I can, I'll get some preliminary information and I can share it. He goes, well, all right, you know, attitude though. All right. So we sit down. So now I'm thinking 10 minutes, you have to stop in 10 minutes because you told him 10 minutes, like, right. So a kid, I was a nervous wreck. But I went through and it was funny because I was going for my MBA at night. I would never tell anybody that I got an MBA or I was going for my MBA. Like to me, it was an unimportant thing. It was something I was doing for me. He needed to know I was going for an MBA. So I told him, you know, I go to school at night for my MBA and I love what I'm learning and I'm able to help my clients more. But anyway, get into the meat of it. Ten minutes goes by and I said to him, our ten minutes are up. I want to honor my agreement with you. If you'd like me to introduce you to my colleague, I'm happy to do that. No hard feelings. And I'm happy to share the information. He tilted his head and he smiled and he said, you're a smart cookie. He goes, let's keep going. He goes, the jury's still out on you. I was like, okay, sure. So we continue. So ironically, of course I made the sale because I did good by him. I I honored him and I, I helped him with whatever his situation was at the time. He became my best referring person. Um, that shared his, his family and friends with me. And he said to me later on, he said, you didn't get flustered. He said, you, you were so mature in how you handled it and you're freaking pretty smart about, you know, financial stuff. And he says, I just, I love that you're in my life. And he started sharing. He made actually for me, (laughs) Marilyn, this wooden thing that was a trivet. But then if you opened it up, it could hold bananas and became like a little fruit basket. I'm telling you, this guy loved me. So it starts off as this negative perspective. had and I just proved him wrong in a very, very gracious way. And and I had the the chops of I knew my my how to help him right financially. So sometimes people have a perceived idea of who you are before they even have
1: a conversation with you. So Connie, I want to also point out some other things you did. And this is really, really important sales. You respected his your agreement, your time agreement of course, one of the very, very basics of sales that I, that you teach and I you live and I live. If you say 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. And what that does is that shows your prospect that you respect them. You completely broke through the stereotypical girly, um, you're a girl stereotype that he had. So that's a great example. And you said to him, I'm going to refer you to somebody else. So you didn't go in with your ego. And I think that's why your sale started between your two ears. You know, I hate the expression lost sale, because there's no sale to lose if you haven't made the sale. There's nothing to lose. That's right. There's no sale you can lose because you haven't made it. So you had nothing to lose and you had everything to gain, but you were you honored and respected his attitude about female salespeople and finances. So when I say a sale begins between your two ears, your job as a salesperson, my job as a salesperson is to find out what's going on between the pers- the prospect's two ears, both from an attitude and a belief because they come in with preconceived beliefs, but Start setting up a time agreement and if your listeners are it's the most respectful thing you can do particularly in our instant gratification society it's so easy to do how much time do you have okay i as the salesperson become the timekeeper absolutely that's what you did i mean what you just told in that story is a great that's a whole class in and of itself (laughs)
0: for real yeah
1: because you didn't even get to the, to the objection part you got to the i'm not doing business with you because you're a girl i was going to tell you about my boss who said his wife would never work outside the home but it's not appropriate but we we just hear this stuff day in and day out and that's why i say knowing what's going on in the collective Right now, I don't know what your experience, but psychologically, I think there's a lot of residue left from COVID. Yeah. And the decision making process for people has changed. Yeah. Because of their look at all the uncertainty we've lived with for the last two, three years. Absolutely. Or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's changed people's attitudes and beliefs and behaviors. You know, can I make a long term deal with you? Well, I'd be around to do it. So we're just, we're just scratching the surface of this iceberg.
0: Yeah, it's really true. Uh, Next question. You mentioned um, a little bit of success, right? So how come, how in your experience, right? How come some people have this fear of success, which again is, is what's going on between the ear, but why, why do you see that happening or feel that feeling come about? I distilled
1: it down to three, three components, um, and if anybody wants the article I wrote about it, they can have it. But I think, um, in a no particular order, uh, and it's very, it's very deeply buried in our subconscious, very, very deeply buried. But one of the reasons is that not everybody gets on your bandwagon. I've lost friends. We expect everybody to be on our cheer, to be in our cheerleader. You know, we expect everybody to root for our success. Well, there's some people that just can't go along with it. It disrupts their image of you.
0: Hmm.
1: and another reason is and I probably have more than three but um is most people live their life as a problem to solve. What if you don't have a problem to solve? Think about people's normal day to day conversations. What are they talking about? They're talking about problems. They're not talking about their wins. One hmm. of the things I encourage people to do is to talk about their wins. Um, There are several coaches, uh, several time management people who say, at the end of the day, sit down and think about what you got done, not what you didn't get done. And that will change your perspective on, on if you're making progress. And then last one that I'll talk about is really our own self image. If like me, you were the black sheep of the family and you weren't as smart as your brother or as pretty as your sister. We have to change our self image of who we are. And some people cannot, but there's power balances in relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to talk about it so much, but I used to talk about if the wife starts making more money than the husband, that was a big issue in a lot of relationships. So there's a power thing, but mainly it's our own self image. If we don't see ourselves as successful, or if we're used to only talking about problems, or if we have lots of drama in our lives and all of a sudden the drama starts going away, it's almost in a ad- drama addiction, almost a problem addiction that, um, that's why I emphasize, uh, having a vision statement, um, having a big picture, having the, okay, this is so outrageous that could never happen to me. But my screensaver is my vision statement. It's my, and and images. So that when I wake up in the morning, I start working in the morning, this is what I see. I see what I'm going for. Yeah. Because I have certainly dived into where I've been. Yeah, it's subliminal. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I am, you joked with me before we started. I am my worst critic. We are yeah. all our worst critics. Yeah. I yeah. can tell you everything I've ever done wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We have a tally of it, right? We we have it in detail and That's bolded right. In print, right? In That's our brain. right. You're yeah.
1: absolutely right. It's, it's funny. It, the oh, critic is the critic. My, I My coach even used to tell me I have a vicious critic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're vicious with ourselves. That's we yeah. judge, right? We're very good at judging ourselves, others, and right. situations for sure. Right. It was funny. I remember, God, this is years ago. I went to a um, like a weekend retreat at a, a friend who um, she I call her Karen, the angel lady, uh, but she sees a, angels and she does readings, mm-hmm. et etc. So I had done several readings with her, and she did this retreat. And I said, Oh, I'll come. I, you know, to support her certainly, but I'm you know I like learning about myself and and different things. Yes. So as we were going through. All these little things for us to work on, and at one point she was going around ro- the room and saying what our angels were telling her messages to give us, and she skipped me, Marilyn, and I thought, oh, maybe my angels aren't yeah.
1: here, and maybe I don't have one. Every yeah, they don't
0: have anything to say to me, so I just, I, I was like, all right, whatever. Right? She went on, and then she comes back to me last, and then I looked at her and I go, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> How bad is it? <laughs> you of course that's where, you that's where you and would go. That's And she looked at me. It was so cute. She put her hands on her hip, but she goes, You're afraid of success? And it took me back. Oh, my like, God. God. Can, can you believe it? I swear to God, was several years ago. And I looked at her and I went, uh-huh, I am. She goes, why? Like, she, she's like the nicest person. You're smart. You're giving. Well, you what love was people. the answer? Yes, she so, was like, yeah, so She goes, what the hell is wrong with you, woman? And I said, I'm afraid people are going to think I'm a crook. And so we delved into that a little bit that you day. you come from
1: financial background.
0: No, it was my parents. I grew up in Newark, and I remember we were coming oh. home from the shore, and the mob, the the mafia, Mom. were very big in Newark back in the sixties. And we were coming home. I was a little girl. I was probably five years old. And as we were driving by, there's these big, beautiful homes. And I say to my parents, who lives in those homes? In my mind, it was a princess, right? Disney. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, who lives in those homes? And they said, me, like at the same time, bad people, they have guns. They kill people. They're crooks. They're crooks that live
1: there. Oh, that got planted. That got implanted.
0: And I finally figured that out. It's probably within the past decade. And I, and when I said it out loud to her, She said, it's a five-year-old and you're holding on to that. And my fear was people that knew me would think, just what you said before, uh, Marilyn, how did she get to be successful? She must have stepped on people or ripped people off. That was my own rhetoric, which Mm -hmm. here's the reality. People that know me know that I I come from a place of love always in everything I do. So that's the furthest from the truth. Yet that was instilled in me as a little girl. So subconsciously I was feeling people are going to think I'm a crook too. So it's very interesting, you know, it goes back to what what's behind our ears, but also those experiences that we don't even know how to to articulate. So fear of success is a real thing. And we, we all have a little element of that, I think, right. I think we all have an
1: element. I think it's a huge subject. And um, I, I, you know, obviously (laughs) I wasn't supposed to be successful either because I committed the sin of leaving my secure job to start my own business, which for which to this day the little family I have left and I don't call them family has never forgiven me. So there was only one way to make money in my family, particularly if you're a woman, and that was to marry a rich man. Yeah. See that again, it's what we're programmed. And and not only that, I want to take it, Connie. And this is something I've explored this generationally. When I say it was implanted in you, remember, we either had parents or grandparents that grew up in the 1930s. Yeah. And that was the depression. And that is so some people say this goes back 10 generations. Yes. It goes back at least one or two generations because they taught their kids, they taught their kids. And then your parents made that conclusion. My parents said you had to marry a rich man, which I failed to do. Um, and so obviously, oh, and my mother said, this is one that it took me years to uncover. I mean, it can be just this innocent that your mother could say something. My sure. mother always used to say, I'll never forget this. You got to have a little luck. Hmm. And I always thought the luck fairy passed me by. Sure. You know, but that was her mantra. You got to have, it took me years to figure out that what she meant by that. And it was, she had a long goodbye. So we had a a lot of time to talk when she was Mm. older and I was Mm. older. Mm. And she, and what she meant by that was she had to be lucky to find a rich man. Crazy. It was crazy, but that got implanted that you had, you didn't have a, A good fairy, I have a luck angel. So I have to look today to this even now. Oh, that was a lucky parking space. It was so lucky I met Connie. So it's a consciousness of shifting what goes on between your ears, which is, I believe, the journey in this lifetime.
0: Yeah, <laughs> At least no. the one I'm on. <laughs> yeah. I no, I agree. We're, we're out of time, but you know, oh, well yeah. said. Yeah, I know it goes so fast. Please, I know. But yeah, it well said. And it's funny because um, you know, and, and my I know my mom and dad, right, they did it from a place of protection and love. And, you know, my mom was born in 29. So lived, you know, her early years were through the depression. Sure. And being in finance all those years, when I would meet with elders who were my, you know, my mother's elder to me, my mom and dad's age, I always understood that they had that poverty mentality because they did live through the depression. And when they said I, like I was starving as a little kid, like my mother, you know, they had to water down milk so that everybody could, for instance, have milk at dinner. So, you know, they knew what starvation was and feeling hungry. My kids say, and I think, oh my God, you just ate an hour ago. What are you talking about? Right? So I agree with you that that programming um innocently they did they did it through love or for love. Yes, it was very us. innocent. It's innocent. So um yeah and and I'm glad that you had the time with your mom. Um, we're out of time but everybody I I want you to go to Marilyn's website. It's the it's um uh, obviously www and then profitgpsclub.com. And if you have a question specifically for Marilyn you can email her Marilyn at ProfitGPS.com. I will put those links in the show notes so that you can uh, find her easy Easy. Marilyn, thank you again for being on. And, and I'm, I'm loving that it all starts between the ears for us and for our prospects. Uh, so I visual. So I like that. I, that's my big takeaway from today. So thank you so much for being on and sharing thank your you. zone of genius. A real pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. And I, hope, uh, my awesome. pleasure. And I hope that you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that no matter where you are in your career, I truly hope that my guests and I and our stories and ideas and tips and strategies and what we're doing in business. I hope it helps you move the needle in your career and or your business, depending on what side of the um, aisle you're on. And I hope that the information we provide gives you ideas, strategies, tips, but action, right? You heard it, you go, oh, that felt kind of good. I kind of like that please apply it, try it out, be curious, practice it, experiment with it. And that's when the magic starts happening in your life. I want to thank Marilyn again. I want to thank you again for joining me on Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net with me, your host, Connie Whitman. As always, thank you for being on this journey of change and sales with me. And I will see you all next week. I hope this show inspired you to change something in your life. Thanks so much, everybody.
1: Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember lead with heart, and your sales will follow.